0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision.
1: Almost two weeks on since the fatal shooting of Alton Sterling at Baton Rouge, Louisiana and a Louisiana pastor is going to talk to us about the police shooting and the developments in the investigation and the flow-on effect of the Black Lives Matter protest which resulted in the death of five police officers in Dallas and the injury of seven others in an amble shooting from a sniper rifle. Today we'll be talking about the root of where this is stemming from, the Black Lives Matter agenda, and what is happening below the surface of the current unrest in the US and our Christian response. Our guest, Pastor Tim Caskaden, is the founding pastor of Christian Center in Shreveport. Shreveport is the Now Shreveport is between Baton Rouge, Louisiana and Dallas, Texas, the two places where these tragic incidents have taken place in recent days. Now, Tim, not only pastors a mixed-race church, but also lobbies with the American-Israeli Public Affairs Committee in the U.S. Congress on the National Council, and he's also on numerous boards and pro-life groups. Tim, welcome to 2020.
0: Thank you. Um, Thank you for inviting me.
1: It's been almost two weeks on since the fatal shooting of Alton Sterling at Baton Rouge, Louisiana. What is the overall mood now?
0: Uh, Yes, and uh, thanks for asking that question. I think it's very important that we uh, grasp what's going on in our nation. The mood is very tense right now across the nation. I think there's a tension that the most Americans believe that something's going to happen again uh what we saw in Dallas Texas and Baton Rouge Louisiana and I I'm, I'm my geography uh is in between both of those cities i am equally divided between the two uh and my community as well is racially uh, divided on this issue on top of that and the mood is an un- it's just an uneasiness among the people uh, people you go to the marketplace they're looking around their shoulders black people are looking at white people white people are looking at black there's a lot of mistrust a lot of suspicion going on among each other. And then, you know, months ago, that wasn't the issue. So we've seen a major transformation. The media obviously is driving this story. We have our national government, our administration, who's uh, sometimes fueling the fire on top of what's going on, rather than calming and bringing peace to the situation. And so the mood is tense right now. We don't know where it's going. Uh, so it's a very high, tense moment in our nation, right in the middle of a presidential elections. So it just adds to the fuel of the fire, what's going on here. And that's kind of the mood right now.
1: Now, you've been a pastor, Tim, at Sherport for 20 years. How has the community changed over that time, would you say?
0: Yeah, in our community, uh, it's... a uh, It's half and half. We have a 55% black community, black race, uh, and the rest white and other races, so we're equally divided that way. I came here in 1980 from Texas, and uh, I was in a Hispanic community, so I come to a, a racially divided community back then. We've seen the progress grow in our community concerning these issues. But there's still this tension, you know, it's strong tension. I always say in my own community, the most segregated day we have in my community is on Sundays because you have black congregations and white congregations. And and here we are, 150 years away from our Civil War to free the slaves, and yet we're still segregating, especially in the church. And that's the sad part. And my congregation is a mixed congregation, very unusual. Sometimes it's very difficult for the blacks in the community, come to a church where a white pastor is is over the community. Their black uh, friends and families say, "How can you go to a white man's church?" You know, and that type of thing. I I put blacks in leadership to you know to prove that where we're trying to be fair here. And so we've seen some progress in that area. But when this happens, like what we just saw. Uh, it, it, it comes again. The old wounds continue to come in. The, the lack of resolution within the community comes up again. And, you know, we're on alert. Our local governments, our national governments have warned us, you know, that we're a potential hot spot for riots to break out and so forth. So we are in a place where, you know, a community, just when you think you're progressing, these things raise their ugly head and the, the wounds that are hidden behind the scenes that we are unresolved and some issues come back, and that's that's where we are right now. But, again, there's always positives. There's both in the black and white communities people who are doing things to bridge this gap, but uh, as we can see, it's those who have the loudest voice or the ones who are getting to play on the media and the social media, and that's what's driving this. I think the social media is driving this issue more than any other avenue right now. <laughs>
1: Speaking of media, there have been reports in the mainstream media, the New York Times, Washington Times, ABC News, that they're saying that the Black Lives Matter movement may look like an uprising born out of inner-city frustration. But they say that there's an undercurrent that people aren't talking about. Now, there was one quote that says that, Um, the latest face of Black Lives Matter, they said that this is a well-funded communist socialist organization behind that, designed to cause tension and division. What are your thoughts on that statement?
0: And I think that's very interesting that you bring that up. I mean, the undercurrent uh, in our nation, especially uh, with the black community, and I live in a city uh, that has, like I said, a large black community. And the Black Lives Matter Black Lives Matter movement, uh, obviously is being well funded by the liberal left. Uh and these are people that are have communist mindsets, socialist mindsets, uh, that they are funding this as a driving force. Uh, unfortunately the, the, the left, the liberals supports these people and they support them because their their needs are met. They're the undercurrent and it's right now it's racism that's the that's the media dri- driven uh message and narrative that we're hearing but the fact is at the root and i think the lord's speaking many of these things to us the root is a social economic issue social injustice issue whatever but these people feel like that the right or the conservative movement has driven them to poverty and to be stuck in these things when the another root also is the lack of the family unit uh you know 75% of uh black children born in America are born without a father in the home and and you can just go and do all these stat- statistics where why they're in prison and in, the family unit has been broken down and we know biblically that when the family unit gets broken down uh these are going to be the results of what happens and so these are the the spiritual issues that are going on but then you have these other groups that are driving this for political agendas because this this plays well in the media and it plays well to the liberal left to make sure that they continue to be re, uh, re-elected and then drive their policies.
1: Now these articles are highlighting billionaire George Soros as one of the primary supporters. He reportedly gave thirty three million dollars to just to support established groups to support the on-the-ground activists, um, particularly in Ferguson. Who is George Soros and why would he be supporting this? What, what, what would you say is his agenda?
0: There's a very accurate statement what's going on. The, the numbers are very accurate. Uh, the money is easy to follow because of his uh, giving to these organisations. Uh, George Soros is a uh, billionaire, a self-made billionaire. He's from Hungary originally. He fled the Nazis during the war. But then he was a part of the communist government uh, at that time. And he's a big believer that the right, uh, the conservative movement, whatever you want to call it, is uh, much like the Nazis. And so it's his responsibility, he feels, to drive the other side and to finance it, create a crisis through his resources, uh, funding them, getting them out there. The media is alerted and creating something that's really not even there, that the people wouldn't be doing themselves without the funding behind it. You create a crisis, and who's the answer? The government's the answer. The left's the answer, and they're going to come in and rescue this problem. They're going to solve the problems, meanwhile driving the conservative, what I call the Judeo-Christian value uh, side of, of the political arena, driving them out and making them look like they're the ones who are causing the problem. And uh, that's what we're seeing. And he's his group, and groups like his, are are the main source of resources. And I, you dry up the money, you dry up the movement. And so there has to be money to drive it. And he's one of the uh, one of the ones who's doing it the most.
1: We're speaking to Pastor Tim Caselden from Christian Center in Chevport in the U.S. He's actually between. Dallas, Texas and uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana where this this fatal shooting took place. Now it's, it's almost two weeks on. The pastor's talking to us about the police shooting, the developments, the investigation and what spiralled I guess from the Black Lives Matter protest and the tragic death of five Dallas officers and seven injured. We'll be back in just a moment. We're back on 2020 and 10 days on since the fatal shooting of Alton Sterling at Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We're speaking to a pastor Pastor Tim Kaskeden who is the founding pastor of Christian Centre in Shearport Now we've been talking about the Black Lives Matter agenda and what's happening below the surface of the current unrest in the US and the Christian response Now um, where to from here where do you see the future especially with what's going on in the US
0: Well uh, obviously our concern is to create a national crisis which the liberal left is trying to do uh, then it'll cause the nation to continue to vote and push this agenda. Uh, again, the liberals feel like they're the end all. Larger government's bigger, you know. And I'm sure in Australia, this is a battle that you see as well politically. And you know, my heart, as a pastor and a leader, I'm involved in politics and as well and in these arenas, is to uh, create an environment that we're following biblical standards, what our nation was birthed on and uh, a standard that, uh, you know, God creates us with the ability to be self-sufficient and that the government is not our answer. We understand a government is to keep us safe, to run the infrastructure of a nation, but it's never been to control our lives and, and, and we know what we're heading toward. We know we're heading toward a whole issue of, of losing our national purpose, losing who we are and becoming a, a one nation in the, in the world or one world order. We know that's where it's headed. So this is a battle of the Antichrist spirit that we are seeing. And so it's much deeper than a racial issue. Obviously, humans, as long as they've been alive, there's always been racial issues, and that will never end. Just like it says in Deuteronomy about the poor, you will have with you always. Jesus said the same thing. So these are issues, that, the social issues, that will never disappear until he returns. So we're, we're dealing with a spirit that's in the land and I think that's where the, the Christian community is so uh, lost on this issue. In our last election, national election, uh, only 35% of America voted. 65% of born-again believers, evangelicals, uh, chose not to vote in the election. So, and then we have these politicians are coming in, and Christians are screaming, you know, how bad it is, and yet they're not participating in, in the process and they're not out there supporting um, you know, supporting the right people. I, I help candidates. I help find candidates who I know have biblical values, who love the Lord, uh, but also who know how to be diplomatic and work in that arena. So this is the agendas that we're dealing with, and, and it's much deeper. As, as Paul told us, we don't war against flesh and blood. And I think that's where Christians sometimes want to fight in that arena. And we have got to hear, God, what's going on behind the scenes, what is the real root of these issues. And we are seeing what this issue, we have a, a movement in our nation. Our Secretary of State made a statement uh, several months ago. He said we need to prepare for a world without borders. And that is an affront to the gospel. It's a affront to God's purposes for nations, the scripture is very clear that each nation has a purpose, has a DNA that's called to bring into the earth. Uh, Jesus said that, the word says that every nation, every tribe and tongue will bow. So he even declares at the end of the age that there will be nations. And so with nations, we know there are purposes. And I really feel like the enemy wants to destroy the purposes of nation, uh, like we saw in England with Brexit, uh, with Brexit and everything it wants to destroy our identity. That we become this one people. Uh, that that uh, although we're called to be one in Christ, we're to have the uniqueness. Our DNA is to be different. And this this agenda that the left is driving, I believe, is the Antichrist spirit to drive out the purposes of the people in the body of Christ, as well as purposes of the nation. America is called to be a light unto the nations. It's called to be a carrier of the word to the nations. And that is being driven out by agendas such as what we're looking at right now. These, these riots and everything, the tension gets put on something else other than our purpose is, is to be one who changes the world for good rather than the one who's creating evil for the world.
1: Um, in recent days, the New York Times also said that while Donald Trump is calling for nationalism, Obama is pushing for globalization. What's your response to that?
0: Yeah, and that's true. And, you know, our president has, uh, you know, said openly in some of the conventions and, and I mean, some of the meetings in Europe that, that we as humans, there's no way we can rule ourselves, that we have got to have a, a larger entity over us because we don't have the capacity to, to govern ourselves. And, you know, that's an affront to our U.S. Constitution, to the purpose of what we're called to. I think even for Australia, I think it would be the same. And uh, so globalization, and why? Because that's where he can make international decisions, uh, because he's part of the elite and others are as well, uh, and then, then the people have to adhere to it. I think the Brexit uh, movement in England possibly saved that nation and saved the purposes of that nation. And I think they have a chance to recover now and become the identity and the purpose that England was meant to be born with. And now there's that opportunity, and this president has made it very clear that he wants the rest of the world to be elevated and America to be brought down. He feels it's unsafe, that it's wrong, that one country is ruling so strongly. He read it in his autobiography, even before he became a president. Nobody should be surprised at his policies. He wrote it before he became a president, and he's carried it out uh, every line upon line of what he wanted to do to bring America's stature in the nations down and to bring other nations, because he believes in a co-equal world. And, you know, in, in the kingdom we look at that, and God has always raised up leaders. He's always raised up nations to lead Israel, obviously the greatest nation that God was going to raise up to lead the world. So, God doesn't have an issue with a nation walking in its authority, just like he has a fivefold ministry, the fivefold call uh, within the church, the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. Uh, There are roles, there are offices that God creates uh, for the earth, and this president doesn't believe in that. He believes America was a colonist nation, even though we never made colonies. He said we did it subvertly, and uh, so he felt it was his responsibility in his administration to bring us down. And he has. uh, If you want to ask me was he a successful president, uh, to his agenda, I have to say absolutely successful. To the agenda of a nation, the purpose of a nation, and to the kingdom mandates, no, it was a failure. But he did exactly what he said he was going to do. And Donald Trump is trying to do the opposite and make our nation great again. Now, he's fault-ridden, to say the least. Uh, He's not the best candidate you'd always want but he does believe in restoring back what our purpose was uh, whether he'll do it or not you never know in a politician but that is his agenda that is what he is pushing and it is totally opposite of the left and and now Hillary Clinton uh Hillary Clinton will be nothing more than a third term of the Obama administration she uh, fully believes it she's uh, like a child of it and so we'll see this continue. And so we're we're at a crossroads in a nation as to what we're going to do. And we're going to have to make this choice. And many Christians uh, are just choosing now to speak out and say they're not going to vote in the election. We have two bad choices, so why even vote? And therefore, we're going to be left with uh, whoever can and rally the troops. So whoever's is going to vote, that's what we're going to be left with.
1: Tim, how do we respond, I guess, as Christians in these times, both in the U.S. and globally?
0: Well, you know, obviously, uh, I, I'm big into intercession and praying and believing God to intervene and influence. Um, I, we have t- plenty of prayer going on in America. I travel to Washington, D.C. I lobby our Congress and our senators and our congressmen, and I speak to politicians all the time. I, every time I go to our state, our nation's capital, I find prayer people, prayer groups, praying nonstop. There's, there's a prayer place right across from the White House that prays 24-7. Uh, prayer is not that it's lacking, so we're praying, but we also need to get engaged. Um, there are influence arenas, the media, uh, like you're doing, um, tele, uh, government, education, family, other issues that we need to be engaged in. Not that we have to be the leaders of those movements, but we must be influencers. And, you know, I, I was always a believer, as a, I was raised in an evangelical model, I was told politics was evil. And we, don't, we shouldn't have anything to do with it. And, you know, I believe that. But then I finally, had, I, the Lord spoke to me to get engaged, to speak in it that light needs to go into darkness, so I did. Now, I got involved in the political arena, and I did find out that what my teachers taught me was absolutely correct. It is evil. <laughs> but I realized that if I don't put light in there, I create a vacuum for darkness to grow. So I choose to get engaged in there and sit in my politicians' offices, realizing they're men, they're normal men and women, and that they need help, and they need uh, direction. And I have been blessed. We uh, and our local, our governor of our state at one time, a group of people I work with, we prayed over him, we laid hands on him, and we gave him a word that we felt the Lord was saying that he needed to run for, for this position. He didn't want to run, but he said he trusted us. We heard from God, and he ran. And then he would invite us to his house once a month, and we would speak to him. He'd ask us, what is God saying for our nation? What is God saying for our state? And we did it. And then we wouldn't leave the meeting until he says, I'm not closing this meeting until you men lay hands on me and pray for me. I need God's strength. Now, I never thought that was possible. And we began to turn our state and brought our state out of corruption and brought our state out of the darkness that it was in and began to raise up something that was different, a different model. Matter of fact, the rest of the nation came and looked at us and said, how did y'all come out of being the most corrupt state in the nation to becoming this conservative base and it was because we chose to get engaged and i think that's the biggest issue of most most christians they choose not to engage they feel like this is all going to happen anyway this is prophecy so therefore why even get engaged and i think that's that's ludicrous i think the word is that we're accountable to what happens on our watch Yes, it may go that way, but God's going to look at us one day and say, what did you do to change the culture? What did you do to get engaged? And I think I want to stand before the Lord and say, I did all I could do, Lord. It went this way, but I did all I could do, and I trained others to do the same.
1: We've been speaking to Pastor Tim Kaskadden, who is the founding pastor of Christian Center in Shreveport, Louisiana. We've been talking about what's been stemming from the Black Lives Matter agenda and what is um, happening below the surface and the current unrest in the U.S. and our Christian response. Jim, we want to thank you for joining us on 2020.
0: Thank you very much.